0: Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator. And I'm gonna give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. Darlings, you know, I really love it that you sent me so many questions. And if you've never sent me a question, or if you've sent me a question and it didn't get chosen yet, don't hesitate to email me. I'm over at Ghost of a Podcast. Dot com. There's a contact form. Fill it out. Send me as many questions as you like. Don't be shy. You know I want to help. And this week, what I'm going to do is I'm going to answer a bunch of questions. So let me start with the first one, and it comes from Dump My Trump Boyfriend, and she says... I feel at a crossroads with my partner. We've been together on and off for the past 12 years, and I'd be lying if I said there wasn't some tumultuous periods, but there's definitely love between us and maybe a dash of codependency. He's been apolitical our whole time together, and while we've had philosophical differences on many issues, none have come close to the one we're experiencing now. I work for a progressive grassroots community action group, and I lean left in my worldview. My boyfriend has more conservative ideals and has decided to vote for the first time in his adult life for Trump. I've been wondering where this relationship was going for a while now, and if our differences are too stark to continue to be with each other without one of us having to compromise essential parts of who we are. I'm hoping you can tell me if you see anything in our charts that might be helpful in navigating steps forward in this relationship. Thank you so much. So. I won't look up the boyfriend's chart because he hasn't given permission, and I just don't do that. However, my Trump dump boyfriend, I don't know, that's what I'm going to call you now, uh, was born January 18th of 89 at 5.07 p.m. in L.A., and you know what? There's a couple things I'll say. The first thing is this is a time of reckoning. You know, you have got um, some really important transits, including... Got Mars and Aries at 29 degrees, and you've got your Sun at 29 degrees of Capricorn as well. And so Saturn is really, you know, crossing over both of those planets. And so for the rest of 2020, you're gonna be dealing with frustrations. And what you're gonna need to do is is to decide where to take a stand and how to take a stand. That said, my dear, here's my thought. There's having differences in opinion. And there's having differences in outlook, and then there's having differences that are actually about disrespect. So what you need to determine, because listen, if you're asking me, me Jessica, your old friend Jessica, should I dump my Trump boyfriend? My personal answer is, uh, yeah, absolutely, you should. But that's not what you're doing. You're asking me, Jessica, your your friend astrologer, right? And I'll say this from my astrological viewpoint the way to determine, like kind of if we're going to try to come up with a metric of determining whether or not a difference in opinion with a significant other or a close friend is like grounds for ending the relationship, it's really about respect. Are the reasons why you don't like Trump and the reasons why he does like Trump fundamentally about your values The reason why I have a knee-jerk reaction to somebody being a Trump supporter is because I assume that means they are either happy with his racist and xenophobic policies and actions, they're either really okay with that, or they don't think it's a big deal. They think it's like not their problem, right? I can't imagine why somebody would be pro-Trump, and you didn't explain that in your question. But you need to really look at this as a values-based thing really, because when you're committing 10 plus years of your life to someone, if you find that you define your humanity fundamentally in really different ways, that can be really great, actually. But if you define your humanity in ways that are in cross purposes with each other, right? If the things that you believe are good and righteous are really incompatible with each other, That's where you have a problem. And that's where you're on call to make a decision, not just about your theoretical politics or what you talk about when you're having a conversation about values. It's about how you choose to live. Because really, at the end of the day, what's important is how we choose to live. And if he is choosing to live in a way that you think is an attack on what you believe to be correct, what you believe to be right and ethical, then staying committed to him doesn't really make sense. Now, kind of on this same theme, I have another question. And this one goes, uh, my BFF of over 15 years recently chose to go forward with her wedding and did not prioritize or enforce social distancing or mask wearing. I wasn't aware that there would be zero masks and zero social distancing. It was outdoors at our home. So I RSVP'd, hoping I'd be able to keep my mask on and maintain my distance from everyone. But when I got there and saw what was happening, I didn't even park. I drove away and texted what I was feeling and apologized. I haven't heard back from her, and I'm feeling heartbroken on many levels. How can I move forward from this in a way that's beneficial for both of us? So... Here we have another question about a fundamental difference in viewpoints that ultimately for the questioner felt like a safety issue, like a personal safety issue, and I'm guessing also a values issue, right? Although you don't clearly say that in your question, BFF. So here's the answer to your question. I don't think you can move forward in a way that's beneficial for both of you. Unfortunately, you don't get to decide for your best friend what feels beneficial to her, or what her values are. However, you do get to do that for yourself. And I know that what you did was complicated. I know that what you did was really hurtful to your best friend, but I also know that what she did was complicated and really hurtful to you, and potentially put the lives of countless people at risk. Your best friend did something that was really dangerous and really disrespectful, in my view obviously in your view too, but not in hers, right? You have a right to have handled it the way you did. And she has a right to be hurt. She has every right in the world to be hurt that her best friend didn't come to her wedding. You know, I wonder why the two of you didn't talk about this, but it sounds like maybe in the past you've been able to make assumptions and they were, you know, safe, safe bets for you to make on your bestie. There's no way forward that's going to feel great here because we are talking about someone's wedding. And I don't know, most people are pretty emo and intense about their weddings. But we're also talking about something really scary, which is this disease, COVID-19. And I have seen over the course of these many months that a lot of people, the way they're coping with it is by being increasingly blasé. It's just like, you know, having unsafe sex. Nothing bad happens, so you keep on doing it until one day maybe something bad happens and you're like, fuck, that was stupid. Why'd I do that? Listen, you didn't do anything wrong, in my view. In my view, you did the right thing. What you can do and what you must do at this point is accept that you cannot control how this shakes down. You just can't. The difference between the two of you is so fundamental how you're dealing with not just your health, not just her health, but the welfare of your community, right? Because, you know, there's plenty of of cases of like a small group of people, like a family gathering happening, and then it makes a whole community sick and people die. Again, I think you did the right thing by not going to this wedding. Just the fact that I agree with you doesn't mean that we are right. I mean, it totally does. We are right. Basically, unfortunately, you need to stay in your discomfort. This is really uncomfortable. If you have the chance to talk again, which I hope you do, What I would encourage you to do is be able to acknowledge the complexity of the situation. What she did was wrong for you. It was outside of what you believe to be right. And it was outside of what feels safe to you for your own health and for your community, right? Irrefutably, what you did was also hurtful to her. You didn't go to her wedding. Last minute, you just didn't go to her wedding. And that's going to hurt her feelings. There's no way around that we could easily point fingers, we could easily lay blame. But here's, here's the way to move forward. It's to acknowledge the complexity. It's to acknowledge that both of you did things that were hurtful to the other. And the only way forward is if you choose to talk about it and acknowledge the differences in values and find a way to come together as a team. Now, I don't know if that's possible. I don't know if, if you're even going to get the chance to do that. So where you're left is being in your feelings and not getting any kind of resolution. And this is something that I see a lot in my private practice is people say, well, I need, I need, you know, some sort of a conversation to wrap things up. I need closure. Closure is not given to you by someone else. Closure is when you come to acceptance of what is. And my guess is you're not going to get great closure with this person. So my question for you is, can you accept that these are unprecedented times this is an unprecedented situation and you did what you felt was right she obviously did what she felt was right and you have very different feelings about what you've each determined to be right my next question is a real a real shift in tone and it comes from trying to be empowered did i choose this question in no small part because of the great sign off yeah maybe i did it goes like this. I've been trying to book a reading with a local astrologer who is well known for being amazing and on point, but notorious for avoiding sessions with those she senses of major challenges coming up in their lives. After trying to schedule a session with her maybe five times to no avail, I am terrified and consumed with the thought that maybe she sees something majorly challenging coming up via my birth chart or her intuition and doesn't want to tell me. Should I be worried? How much power should we give to astrology and psychics with this shit? Help. Thanks. Trying to be empowered. Okay. So first, listen. If somebody is a practitioner whether it's a shrink or a tarot reader or a psychic or an astrologer, and they're only really good at their job when their clients are thriving and doing well, they're not very good at their job. Sorry, (laughs) that's just not real. If the only context that she wants to talk to people on is when they're thriving, then what she is is a cheerleader, not a reader. You know what I mean? So first of all, I'm glad that you have friends and you know, you know, people who've had great experiences with this person. I'm not trying to shit on this person. But I want you to be critical in your thinking here. If they're only going to give consultations or good consultations to people that are thriving, that's about her and her shit and not about you, first of all. Second of all, I pulled up your chart. You were born January 12, 1993 at 4.20 p.m. in Tel Aviv, Israel. And While you may be in a really difficult time in many ways, I don't see a particularly difficult time coming for you. In fact, you have some lovely transits actually emerging in the next year. You do have a Pluto square to Pluto occurring next year, and it is not the chillest of all transits. But this is not a reason to be scared for your future at all. You know, you've been kind of in some heaviness for the past couple few years. And it's totally Fair that you are obsessing and freaking out about this because one of the transits you're going through, which is going to be over before the end of 2020, it actually increases your obsessiveness and your compulsions. But let me say this it is totally possible that this astrologer person is just not good at responding to emails or that somehow your email got lost in her spam folder. I don't know. I mean, you don't know is the point. And so, what I want to really encourage you to do is slow it down. Just slow it the damn down and have faith that if somebody is only able to give a fair weather reading, they're not the reader for you. You're a damn Capricorn. You want to hear the hard truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the hard truth. And that's clearly not who this particular astrologer is. So move on. And then finally, I have my last question from Big Feels. And they ask, sometimes I feel the weight of my, quote, bad placements. And I'm wondering how I can turn these self-perceived weaknesses into personal power. Upon listening to your podcast, I reevaluated my birth chart using Campanus houses instead of Placidus and discovered that I have a 12th house, not 11th house like I thought, Scorpio moon. And I feel like it makes a lot more sense about why I feel a lot of deep emotions. I'm wondering between a 12th house Scorpio moon and an 8th house Stellium, how can I lean in and make these, quote, bad placements into a source of strength? Thanks, big feels. So the kind of astrology that I've primarily used over the course of my practice, I've thought of always as like humanistic astrology, which is probably closest to psychological astrology. Now, I don't really believe in bad placements. You know, I just don't. Certain planets are happier or less happy in different houses or different signs, for sure. But bad placements Nah, I don't buy that. I really don't. And I speak as a person with many, quote, bad placements. I just don't think of it that way because where's the value in it? How does that help you grow? You know what I mean? So let's get the concept of good and bad placements out of your head. Let's just first of all, remove the value judgments from your birth chart. The second thing I want to say is having a moon in Scorpio in the 12th house, it's a superpower but it's a superpower that requires a lot of care. The reason why I call it a superpower is because it makes you incredibly sensitive, just incredibly sensitive and intuitive. And you only have useful access to those sensitivities when you are managing your life in a way that protects your mental and spiritual health, period. And so that means other people can party and you (laughs) can't. Not if you want to feel good. Not if you want to be able to resource your intuition and your emotional knowledge, you know. Uh, Other people maybe can function off of no sleep. Not you. You got to sleep. You got to sleep. Maybe you have weird hours, but you need to sleep a certain amount. Other people can, you know, not drink water or eat crap all the time and be okay. Not you. (laughs) No, no, no. Our birth chart placements don't tell us what's good or bad. They tell us our nature and what our nature needs to thrive. That's it. See, that's it. So if you are an emo, sensi person, as you are, and anyone with 12th house placements is, especially 12th house water placements and the moon really in any sign in the 12th house, it means that your choices need to be made in deference to your sensitivities And then when you do that, you can thrive. So it's not what's wrong with me and how do I cope with it? It's who am I? What do I need? What choices do I need to make in order to thrive? Very different tone. You see it? You hear it? Very different tone. So the 8th house and the 12th house are two houses that I get a lot of questions about, and I will have to do an astrology hot take on them specifically on their own. They're the two houses in astrology that are associated with mental and spiritual health, Um, psychic health, psychic and clairvoyant abilities, that kind of stuff. And because we live in the world we live in, uh, there's all this pressure for us to just kind of, you know, be efficient and productive and fall in line. And these two places in the birth chart are not where we do those things. When we have planets in these two houses, the 12th and the 8th houses, what happens is we are sensitive and we need to honor our emotional bodies and our energetic bodies in such a way that we can actually use and leverage our creativity and our sensitivities. That's it. So I keep on using the word sensitivities. I mean it in so many contexts. There's our psychic sensitivities, our emotional or feeling sensitivities. You may be sensitive in a way that allows you to be like a really effective scientist, or you might be an artist, or you might be someone like me who's, you know, psychic and woo-woo. There's so many ways that these houses can kind of function. But what's important is they are not for public consumption. The 8th and the 12th houses are the two most private places in the zodiac. And so again, this concept of like bad placements is based on some fucking metric. I don't know. It's not my metric, but it's it's somebody's metric. There's nothing bad about having a rich inner life. Now, when it comes at the expense of your external affairs or treating others fairly or like taking care of yourself that's where we get into problems that's out of balance right what you want to be able to do is honor your need for being in your feelings and not doing anything about it so that it's essentially like the way i used to always describe the 12th house to clients is when you have planets in the 12th house or if you've got a, a you know a lot going on in the 8th house a good thing to do every single day is stare at a blank wall and do nothing. Think of yourself as a rechargeable battery. You just have to plug yourself back in by not being externally active. Not fixing, not seeking, not taking and something in. Just being. Just give yourself if you can 20 minutes. If you can do more, great. If you can do 90 seconds once a day and you're not already doing that, that'll be a huge fucking improvement. It's about creating spaciousness inside of yourself so that you can practice taking up more space inside of yourself. When you take up more space inside of yourself, you have the potential and capacity to better belong to yourself. And when you belong to yourself, these placements allow you to thrive. Learn about colonialism, past, present, and ongoing. Educate yourself about whose land you're living on, and if you can, make a monetary donation or pay a land tax to that tribe. Visit our native land at native land.ca. The link is in show notes. There are a couple things that I want to touch on before we drop into this week's horoscope. And, you know, as I had warned you about at the end of last week's horoscope, this upcoming week, and of course the end of last week, is astrologically marked by some mental anguish and mental health challenges. And again, I'll, I'll get into that in a minute, but I wanna take a moment to acknowledge the passing of Supreme Court Justice, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. It is very easy to become demoralized. Her loss is being felt by so many of us, but it is really important that we do not give up, that we do not stop fighting for what is right, that we allow her legacy to inspire action and activation instead of only despair. Now, I'm not saying don't feel despair, feel all your damn feelings. But don't lose yourself in them. This is a time to rise up to do what is right, to activate, to talk to people, to educate yourself, to be engaged in the process. We are getting closer and closer to the 2020 election here in the United States. And the reality of the situation is that there's now an empty seat on the Supreme Court that Ginsburg held. And she was, in particular, in the context of the Supreme Court, a progressive voice you know, these Supreme Court positions are lifetime positions. I don't have really inspiring words to say about how to feel about her death or exactly what to do in response to her death. I don't have the answer here. But I do know one thing. You can't do nothing, right? You can't feel nothing. You can't do nothing. We, we all, this is a time to be activated. There's a lot of ways that we can be activated. And it actually makes me want to mention something else that's happened in the news very recently that is so deeply upsetting. There's this nurse named Dawn Wooten, and she's in Georgia. She worked at an ICE detention center. And if you haven't already heard my episode about ICE, um, I do invite you to do so. I do not think there is a way to reform ICE. We need to dismantle ICE. There is no No good application of ice, in my view. Um, And if you are interested in that, you can listen to episode 59, where I look at the astrological chart of ice itself. But this woman, she alleges that they are performing at this detention facility mass hysterectomies on women who have no medical need for a hysterectomy. These women are not giving their consent, they are just having these hysterectomies performed on them. And she has said, I became a whistleblower and now I'm a target, but I'll take a target any day to do what's right than just sit there and be part of something inhumane. And, you know, these two women, uh, these two situations, in some ways, are very disconnected, in other ways, are very connected. What I'm trying to say, my loves, is feel your feelings. It's okay to feel cynical, it's okay to feel depressed, it's okay to feel scared you know, they're your feelings. But don't get stuck there. This is not the time to wallow or to allow our cynicism to empower us to do nothing, to just let shit happen to us and let shit happen to the most vulnerable amongst us. This is not the time to give up. We need to do something, you know, and if each of us does something, something, then things change. And I think that's really important. So, you know, to that end, I want to say, talk to people about what's happening in the world. You know, talk to people who know more than you. Talk to people who you disagree with. Talk to people who have better ideas than you or or agree with you and want to kind of like cheerlead you and you cheerlead them. And it's helpful for mobilization. Don't isolate yourself because when we feel despair and we isolate ourselves within that despair, it tends to make things worse. I also want to encourage you to do two other things. Organize. And that might mean, you know, finding somebody who is an organizer or an organization that you believe in and get to work. Do something that needs to be done, even if it's not glamorous, even if no one can see you doing it. Just do something. It's time to get activated. It's time to get to work in whatever way is right for you based on your circumstances, your values, your time management issues, whatever it is, based on what you care about. But do something. Because if all of us are doing one little thing, things start to change. Now, there's another thing, which is voting. Now, listen, I am not an idealist. I have a lot of problems with the American government, just all across the damn board. I don't have a great deal of faith in the system. I'm not going to lie to you. Why am I going to lie to you? Am I going to start off lying to you now? No, I'm not. But I will say that I am a realist. And we do have the government we have. And we do have a two party system. This is what we got. And if we accept that this is what we have. And if we look at what Trump and his regime have done over the last several years, and we believe them when they tell us what they want to do next. If we really pay attention to these things, then we know that this is not a Republican versus Democrat election. This is not an election like we've had before. This is really about authoritarianism versus democracy, no matter how, you know, flawed our democracy may be. It really is. And, you know, to misquote an important saying, I will say to you, my loves, yes, it can get worse. It can get much fucking worse. I don't say this to scare you. I say this because just we a realist, you know. And so I want to really empower you and inspire you to do the smallest and least thing you can do, which is vote. Personally, me, I double check to make sure that I'm registered to vote uh, every other week because I trust no man. I trust no system. And I have been voting by mail, I don't know, for 15 years or something like that. I really like voting by mail if you've never done it before, I'm excited for you. It's way easier. IMO. But, but I, I get ahead of myself. Here's the thing. I feel so passionate about this that I've teamed up with my friend, Lindsay Scola, who's a political strategist. And we've created something called Zodiac the Vote, where we teamed up with a bunch of astrologers. And we have created this site, which is a resource for voting information It's got all the links you need to figure out like how to vote, where to vote, all that kind of stuff. There are astrology articles about the system, about politics, about our shared system from the perspective of astrology, which is what I want to see more of in the world. We know that the political is personal and the personal is political. We know as astrology nerds that there are 12 signs, there are 10 planets, there are so many configurations of how these things can interact with each other, right? We are not going to all agree on all the things. Of course not. We are not going to all take the same role in creating change in the world. We are not going to all have the same ideas and agree on, you know, whatever the fuck. We're not going to agree on everything. And that's okay. Our differences make us stronger. They do. As long as those differences are not in any way netted in cruelty and disrespect. That's really, really important. And I think that within all of this, I just want to invite you, if you haven't already checked, if you're registered to vote, if you don't really know what the fuck that means, uh, go to zodiacthevote.com. And we have, you know. Lots of information there for you, plus astrology stuff, plus, of course, of course, astrology swag. It's astrology wear that you're really going to want to wear, including but not limited to a shirt that says Mercury might be retrograde, but my vote isn't. Because, yeah, Mercury's going to be retrograde for the 2020 election. That's right. Go check that out. Forthcoming will be a Mercury retrograde voter survival guide. So put that in your pipe and smoke it or wait put that in your pipe and get ready to smoke it. You can't smoke it yet because we haven't dropped that yet, but it's coming. You can sign up for the mailing list on the site. But the point is get engaged, you know, just get out there. Know that voting is not all the things that need to be done, but it is the foundation. It's the baseline of what needs to be done. And you don't have to leave your house to get it done. Okay. to your horoscope, my loves. Now, we are looking this week at the dates of September 20th through the 26th of 2020. And it starts off on the 20th, uh, as I mentioned last week, with an exact Mercury square to Pluto. This transit is what some people named Jessica might characterize as no fucking joke. Mercury is your mind. It's your attitudes. It's what you think and what you say. It's also how you say it. You know, it's your tone. And Pluto is transformation and destruction. It is shame and healing. It's deep. You know, Pluto's energies are compulsive and driving and relentless. And so the square between Mercury and Pluto can really trigger negative obsessions. It can trigger this kind of compulsion to focus on thoughts that hurt you, that don't help you. It can find you wanting to obsessively look back at communications where somebody hurt your feelings and you want to reread it and reread it and reread it. This is a terrible time to process. If you can avoid processing, that would be best. And the reason why is because we are all going to be driven by compulsions. And when we are driven by compulsions, what is happening is we are being informed by trauma in our past. And so the trauma in our past is compelling our thoughts and feelings to defensively react one way or another. And when we are netted to the past in any way, really, we're not present. And when we're not present, we're not engaging from our healthiest, wisest self. Instead, we're kind of, it's like we're being run like a program. And that's when we tend to feel totally entitled to say shitty things, to treat people or ourselves in shitty ways. And when I say shitty things, it could be to yourself. It could be to someone else. Taking out your shit thoughts and feelings on a stranger is shitty. Taking it out on yourself, taking it out on people close to you, shitty and shitty. Lots of shit. Shit everywhere. So here's the positive shit can be used in some contexts as compost as can this transit the potential for healing with the mercury square to pluto is absolutely present the problem is where pluto is involved it's not easy best case scenario you have healing but it's it just is like oh fuck yeah i have to deal with this i have to confront this like i said pluto governs shame and so we might feel ashamed of ourselves in some meaningful way And however you know how to tolerate feelings of shame has a lot to do with what you'll do or not do under this influence. If you react to shame by getting blamey or shutting down or turning to substances or harming yourself or others in some way, then this can be a really fucked up moment, right? But if you can instead find a way to not abandon yourself in the thoughts and in the feelings if you can stay with yourself stay with the feelings without feeding them too heavily there's great potential for transformation there and if our quote better senses like if our if our analyzers like well i'm going to engage with those feelings i'm going to reason with those feelings i'm going to make myself understand those feelings all those feelings do is turn on your rational ideas right? When we're in a state of being activated is not the time for figuring things out, finding solutions, or reasoning with yourself. That's just not what the moment's for. The moment is to not engage those particular feelings. So validate them, let them be what they are without pairing them with thoughts. Let the feelings pass till they're in a state of a little more calm, and then you can start finding solutions or trying to understand what's happening. What most of us do is we try to talk ourselves into submission, or we abandon ourselves. And we just, we just are really shitty to ourselves. We judge ourselves. Both of these strategies don't work. They don't work. Sometimes they work in the short term, but they don't work in the long term. That's for damn sure. This is really important because this transit is existing in the context of so many other things. And so whatever it is that you get activated around, I can assure you that it is directly related to a larger theme that you've been struggling with. So maybe not the specifics of the situation, but certainly the theme and the beliefs that you hold about yourself or others is going to be activated here. And so the potential for healing, the potential for finding a more compassionate and sustainable way for engaging with yourself, that is there. It doesn't always feel like you have the choice to engage or not engage or, you know, Receive yourself with kindness or not, but you do. And however you can, to whatever extent you can, try to do it. That's not all. That's not the only transit I have to tell you about. The equinox. On the 22nd is when the sun moves into Libra. Many people say that this is a really powerful time of the year. There's this kind of sense of integration that can occur when the sun moves into Libra or on the day around the day that the sun moves into Libra. What you may find on the equinox is that the veils are thinner you know, that there's a sense of being really permeable, or really sensitive, or just really meaningfully impacted by what's happening around you, not just within you. And if that's the case, I want to point your attention to the sun being in Libra. It is a relational sign, and it is a relational season. Libra is not just about achieving balance. It's about understanding the interconnectedness or the interplay of energies, how you feel or what you're going through doesn't exist in a vacuum. It's relational, right? And so this is a really meaningful time to be thinking relationally. How do you abandon yourself? How do you check out of yourself when you connect to others? How do you show up in a whole way around others when you make your choices? How relational are they? This is a really important thing to consider at any autumnal equinox, but while we have Mars and Aries retrograde, this kind of call to really look within at individualism, at our ego, and at how we act when we are driven by a sense of urgency— or egoism, right? It's a lot. It's a lot going on. And we're going to see an increased tension between these themes while Mars remains retrograde in Aries. And we are in a solar Libra season. So buckle up, kiddos. What can I say? You know, I don't write this shit. I just report it. So on the 23rd, we have a Mer- an exact Mercury square to Saturn. It will overlap with the equinox. <sighs> Mercury square to Saturn. This transit, it can be quite depressing. Saturn governs depression properly. I've probably said this on the podcast a bunch of times before, but Saturn governs depression and Neptune anxiety. And a lot of times what I've experienced is that people have a hard time experientially telling the difference between the two. Some people are super fucking clear about the difference, but a lot of people experience them as kind of similar. Now, Mercury square to Saturn inclines us to see the worst. It inclines us to see the glass as half empty. It inclines us to scan for scarcity, and it can trigger any kind of scarcity model thinking or attitudes that you have. This transit is likely to really trigger the very real differences between you and others. And in particular, this this transit impacts the platonic side of your relationships. So this can impact your love life, but it's going to be the foundational friendship part and not the like sexy romantic part per se. This is a transit that on the positive can really clarify for you what isn't working, right? It can really be a great time for editing or streamlining. On the negative, it can just be too fucking much because it makes us feel stuck it makes us feel depressed and again it inclines us to see the worst or the worst potential and so you know so much of what i've been talking about about this week is it's kind of tricky for the mental health to have the week start off with this mercury pluto transit which is likely to have us feeling really activated right and then to have it very quickly shift into the mercury saturn square it's just activated, and then depressed. So let me just give you this little bit of advice about mental health. So this is not about the world. This is about mental health. If you have a negative obsession, it is like praying for what you don't want. If you compulsively repeat your fears over and over and over to yourself, or some negative belief you have about yourself, if you repeat it on loop to yourself, you are praying to it, right? So If you cannot be positive, which you may not be able to be this week or in general, I don't know, but certainly not this week. If you cannot be positive, if you're caught up in a negative or self harming loop, strive for neutrality. And this is something that I talked about in episode 143, my midweek episode. I talked about manifestation, positive intention setting, and and kind of some pitfalls around it, as well as some tools for it. So you may want to give that a listen. But if you cannot be positive, you don't have to stay in negative, strive towards neutral. Because neutral can be a lot more sustainable than negative or positive for some of us some of the time. This particular transit is likely to make you feel a little exhausted. I don't know. For some people, for me personally, this transit tends to frequently make me feel really motivated and I just like get to work and I respond to all the emails and I clean out the closet and all that kind of shit. But a lot of people I have seen with this transit feel really just, it can just make you feel defeated or deflated and stuck. So work around it. If your energy feels the worst parts of this transit, it's okay. It's not going to last more than a couple few days. What I want to encourage you to do is just cut yourself a little bit of slack. It's not going to last forever. And there's a reason why it's happening. And if you seek to cultivate greater self-awareness, greater self-control, if you cultivate greater responsibility and humility around what you say and how you say it, this transit's very constructive. It's not super fun, but it's constructive. So you might not be the most productive on this day. Just give yourself permission to be where you're at. And keep on doing your best. Keep on trying. That's all. That's it. That's the move, right? Did you think this was over? Girl, it's not over. There's one more transit for me to tell you about. Mercury opposite Mars is a tricky fucking transit just because this week was super chill. You know, why not? So it's exact on the 24th. You'll be feeling it overlapping with the Mercury square to Saturn, creating a greater sense of urgency to all that Saturnine stuff. And Mercury opposite Mars can be a time of fighting unfortunately so mercury is what you say how you say it mars is the ego and it's combat mars is passion mercury is communication so on a social level i would certainly say that this is a time where we're likely to see a lot of angry tweets from a lot of obnoxious people this is a time where we might see more fights uh, more drama people jumping to conclusions because mars is retrograde you really want to make sure that you are taking responsibility for how you engage with others. And you know what? You might fuck up. You might say something wrong. You might do something too forcefully. And you just want to be able to hold space for we all make mistakes. You got to keep on trying. You got to keep on trying, even in the face of your own errors and mistakes, even in the face of your own but hurt ego. Got to keep on trying. You are allowed to think and feel whatever you think and feel, but this is the time to track your actions and make sure that they're in alignment with your convictions, not just your thoughts in the moment, but your convictions overall. Mercury opposite Mars can be a time of conflicts and combat and all that kind of shit. It's not fabulous. You may say something, or somebody else may say something, that cannot be taken back but man, are you gonna wish it could be? Pick your battles wisely, my loves. But seriously, pick your battles wisely. I'm not saying don't battle. Sometimes you just gotta do what's right, even if you don't get what you want, even if it doesn't go well. Sometimes you just have to choose to keep on doing what's right, even if you're frightened, even if you're not sure if you're doing it gracefully. And sometimes you need to rein your shit in and check yourself. And make sure that your motivations are clean. Mercury opposite to Mars is going to challenge all of that. And of course, it's coming on the heels of all these other transits I'm telling you about where we're not coming at things super clean right now. And when I say we, I mean like literally everyone. These are global transits, right? This transit can be associated with various forms of violence. And there's so much of that that you really just can't control. All you can really control is how you engage. That's it. That's all you can control is how you engage. So, do your utmost to throughout the week really do the work of self investigation and showing up with integrity to the best of your ability and with humility when that doesn't work. And then, when this transit occurs, that is likely to really trigger things, be brave, be courageous, choose to stay centered in your integrity and what you believe in and your convictions. Now, the positive side of this transit, if we do see a positive side of it, is going to be bravery. It's going to be courage. It's going to be being willing to step up and get things done. Mars is motivating, right? So you may find yourself very motivated. In terms of COVID stuff, which I not haven't really spoken to in the context of all of this, but again, you know, Mars retrograde in Aries, I am concerned about the spread of COVID, You really want to make sure that you're not allowing your kind of frustration with COVID and all the restrictions that it is imposing on your life to inspire you to pretend that something is not real just because you don't want it to be real. In other words, wear a damn mask, stand six feet apart from someone, you know, it's not just about you. It's not just about your friends. It's not just about your love life it's a highly contagious disease. And it is about all of us. And there's a lot of very selfish energy running through the stars this week. And it's triggering. Let's not have it trigger a wave of infections if we can avoid it. Eh? Eh? Okay, now really briefly, let me run through those transits again in case you're taking notes. On the 20th, we have an exact Mercury square to Pluto. On the 22nd, the Sun moves into Libra, and that is the fall equinox. On the 23rd, Mercury forms an exact square to Saturn, and on the 24th, Mercury forms an exact opposition to Mars. Tis not chill, my friends, but there it is. As always, I want to thank you for joining me for another week of Ghost of a Schmodcast, where we, you know, where we just try to do our best at being a human. In concert with other humans. And uh, the thing about astrology that's so fucking cool is that it really does help us to track our own development as individuals, but it also helps us to track the development of societal trends, right? Social trends. And for me, that's really helpful. It allows me to have a greater sense of meaning. And that sense of meaning helps when things are hard, and we all know that things get pretty hard sometimes. So I'm sending you love within it all. In the words of Sarah kenzier if you are brave, stand up for others. If you cannot be brave, and it's often hard to be brave, be kind. Every year they say the end is near, but we're still here, yeah, we're still here.